Good Monday morning, and there is good news out of Hollywood overnight. A major breakthrough in the strike that shut down the industry. It is September 25th. Good morning. This is Today. Hollywood ending. The Writers Guild reaches a tentative deal with studios and streamers, suspending picketing for the first time in nearly five months. What's next? How will it impact the actor strike? And when could Tinseltown get rolling again? We'll have everything you need to know. Up against the clock, lawmakers with just days left now to avoid a government shutdown. Millions of federal paychecks hanging in the balance, including for members of the military. Inside the tense negotiations, plus what the NBC News poll is revealing about a Trump-Biden rematch. Breaking point, the migrant crisis intensifying. Border Patrol agents cutting a barbed wire fence to let in hundreds. A decision they say was to save lives. We'll have the very latest. Washout, Ophelia wreaks havoc up and down the East Coast, widespread flooding and power outages. You're talking right up to here. The remnants of the storm set to dump even more rain today, and Al's got your full forecast. Those stories plus making history. Meet the first female non-kicker to ever play in an NCAA football game. The sideline was going crazy. Uh, it was just a great moment. Her impact on and off the field when she joins us live. And it's her. Hi. Taylor Swift steps out at a Chiefs game, celebrating with Travis Kelsey's mom and leaving with the man himself. Hey, hey how you doing? And fans cannot get enough of this love story. Today, Monday, September 25th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuffey. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today. Nice to have you with us on a Monday morning. Might as well be the Super Bowl for Swifties. That was a, oh my gosh, it was. stop and stare at that moment at the big game on the big screen. Absolutely. Yeah. Can't believe it. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess they're an item. It seems like it. I mean, <laughs> we're going to see. They yes, are. they are. We'll, we'll see what happens. We're going to unfold she that in pop start and pack it all. <laughs> oh all right. Gosh. But we are keeping an eye on the remnants of Ophelia, that storm causing flooding and power outages across parts of the East Coast hitting some areas at near hurricane strength. And, of course, Al is at his post tracking it all. But we begin this week with a close look at the series of strikes and shutdowns that have impacted the U.S. on a number of fronts. The auto industry right now at a virtual standstill as the UAW targets the big three automakers. Meantime, the U.S. government is staring down a possible shutdown if Congress fails to pass spending bills by Saturday. Where's the good news? Well, we have a little bit. A tentative deal reached overnight between Hollywood screenwriters and the studio and streamers an end now in sight to that months-long strike. NBC's entertainment correspondent Chloe Malas has those details. Chloe, good morning. Good morning, guys. Well, yes, happy news indeed. After nearly five months on the picket line and marathon negotiations over the weekend, the Writers Guild of America says that they have an agreement in principle, a major step in getting your new episodes of those favorite shows back on the air. Overnight, the writer's strike reaching its final act. The WGA agreeing to a tentative three-year deal with the AMPTP, which represents streamers and studios, including NBC Universal's parent company, Comcast. It comes nearly 150 days after film and TV writers walked out on Hollywood and hit the picket lines. 
While specifics are not yet known, the deal likely promises higher residuals from streaming, higher wages, and protections against AI. In an email to members, the WGA saying, though we are eager to share the details of what has been achieved with you, we cannot do that until the last I is dotted. From day one, we've been hopeful that a deal will be reached because, you know, they're our partners and we love making television with them. Still, writers will not return to work just yet as they wait for a final contract to be drafted and voted on by members. The union instead encouraging writers to join the actors who remain on strike, meaning it could take weeks or even months for Hollywood to see a full reboot. No one wants to cross the picket lines. Writers and actors taking to social media overnight to express their relief, including Michael Shea of Saturday Night Live writing, I guess we back, and actress Mindy Kaling posting, can't wait to go back to work and see my people. While daytime and late night talk shows will likely be the first to be back on air, experts say the summer stoppage in TV production means new episodes of hit scripted shows may not return until next year. Replace this fall with reruns and reality TV. The Hollywood shutdown having big effects on the big screen, too. Studios already pushing back some major movie releases to 2024, including blockbuster sequels like Mission Impossible, Dune and Gladiator. Now with the writers reaching a deal, Hollywood is one step closer to being back in action. Okay, we, we've been talking about it. You've been saying probably by the end of the weekend yeah. this would happen. You broke the story, Chloe. I mean, now how about the actors? <laughs> what can I you know, tell us about because that? Because you have the writers, but you need the actors to have your favorite shows and movies come back. So the Actors Guild, they haven't even started negotiations with the studios and streamers. We're hoping to see that. Well, they're hoping to see that this week. And they want the same issues. They want higher wages and really sticking. One of the major sticking points is protection over the use of artificial intelligence intelligence technology. So maybe the contours of the writer's deal. Exactly. It could definitely help and provide a framework. And just to be clear, when I say artificial intelligence, they are worried that their jobs will become obsolete, Mm -hmm. that this technology would essentially be writing the scripts for them. So that is really one of the things that we're all watching this week. Chloe Moss, thank you very much. Thanks, Chloe. All right. There's also some movement on another major strike this morning. Union leaders for the United Auto Workers say they have made more progress with one of Detroit's big three than with the other two. Now, as a result, walkouts against those companies are expanding. NBC's Jesse Kirsch joins us now from Pontiac, Michigan. Jesse, what's the latest? Hoda, good morning. Still no word on any deals, but the UAW says it is closer to a new contract with Ford than it is with the other two automakers. The union writing in part, quote, our pressure on Ford is starting to pay off. And while Ford did just reach an agreement with a Canadian auto workers union, when it comes to the UAW situation, the company says more work needs to be done. The UAW, however, is striking a different tone when it comes to General Motors and Stellantis. The union's president says, in part, they, quote, are going to need some serious pushing. And so the UAW is now expanding its strike to all parts distribution facilities for those two companies, which have criticized union leadership. All of this is happening as the 2024 presidential spotlight now falls on this labor dispute. President Biden says tomorrow he will join the picket line in this state. Meanwhile, former President Donald Trump, he's expected to also visit this state. His visit on Wednesday when he's expected to speak to workers here, Hoda. Jesse, it's impacting the workers. It's impacting the the companies. Are we seeing an impact yet on consumers? 
Yeah, Hoda, that could be just days away. We've talked about this as a possibility. Now it seems uh, not just a remote possibility, but something that could be just days away. Depending on what kind of parts you need, if you need a car repair coming up, that could become more complicated. I spoke with one dealership group, and they told me, for example, they've been stocking up on high-demand parts like brake pads. But if you need something like a new engine, that could become tricky in the days and weeks ahead. And it's not clear what kind of stockpiles GM and Stellantis have right now that they can still send out to dealership groups. So that one group telling me, that one business telling me that it could be just within days that we start seeing an impact, again, depending on what kind of repair you need, Hoda. All right, Jesse Kirschner covering that story in Pontiac, Michigan. Jesse, thank you. To Washington now, where the clock is ticking to avoid a government shutdown with less than a week to go. The paychecks of millions of federal workers hang in the balance. NBC's Capitol Hill correspondent Ryan Nobles has got the latest Good morning to you, Ryan. Are House Republicans any closer to a deal this morning? Yes, Savannah, good morning. You know, Speaker Kevin McCarthy claims to have made progress in talks with his fellow Republicans over the weekend, but there is still no deal on the table. And with time running out, the only way to avoid a government shutdown would be to pass a short-term spending plan that would give all sides more time to negotiate a longer, long-term package. But many of McCarthy's fellow Republicans are just opposed to that. And the problem is there's just not enough time. And McCarthy may need help from Democrats to avoid a government shutdown. And that's something he's acknowledged. But this could put his speakership at risk as just one member can call up what's called a motion to vacate that would lead to a whole new vote to potentially elect a new speaker. Savannah. Well, unfortunately, people have gotten pretty used to this whole song and dance. Uh, But this government shutdown, if it were to happen, has the potential to be much different and much more serious than in the past. That's right, Savannah. They have not made any type of an agreement on any type of spending. And that means millions of government workers, everything from social workers to even members of the military could go without a paycheck indefinitely. And the fact that military families could go without pay is notable. And that is different from previous shutdowns, because in the past, lawmakers were able to pass legislation ensuring that they would continue to get paid throughout a shutdown. But Congress has yet to do that this time around. And time is running out. And this shutdown would would also involve far more workers than the past one, for example, because in addition to the four million federal workers who wouldn't get a paycheck, there are millions more who work for contractors that would also be impacted and they would also not receive things like back pay. Also impacted government office that handles things like passport renewals and social programs like Head Start would also be impacted. So this has wide ranging impacts across the country if Congress can't come up with a deal with time running out. Savannah. Absolutely. A lot of families, a lot of military families living paycheck to paycheck. This is important, Ryan. Keep us posted. I want to turn now to the 2024 presidential race. We've got the results from the newest national NBC News poll this morning, and they're pretty revealing for both parties. We've got national political correspondent Steve Kornacki with us. Steve, good morning to you. I see you over there at the big board. Uh, let's first break down the Republican race, the primary that's going on right now. It looks like uh, former President Trump still has this in command. Yeah, good morning, Savannah. And in in command is putting it mildly, perhaps our new NBC numbers here looking at the Republican race. Donald Trump now nearing 60 percent in our poll, 59 percent. His nearest competitor, Ron DeSantis, is now 43 points behind at just 16 percent. You see all the other Republicans, they are still in single digits. There's already been a Republican debate. Donald Trump boycotted that debate. His uh, lead has only gone up since then. At the start of this summer, he was at 51 percent in our poll. Now he's near 60 percent with another debate that he's going to skip looming just this week. 
I mean, I'm just doing math here. I mean, if you add up all of those Republican rivals, Donald Trump still beats them. So it, it's uh, it is a commanding lead right now. Let's talk about President Biden and potential matchups that he might face and how he fares. Yes. I mean, if this is the direction that Republicans are going and they do end up nominating Donald Trump and we have a rematch of 2020, we polled. How might that look in 2024? Here's Trump versus Biden. We found a dead heat. Biden, 46, Trump, 46. Worth remembering the popular vote back in the 2020 election. Joe Biden won that by four and a half points over Donald Trump. So our poll, at least, is showing perhaps a closer race than they had in 2020. Also, notably, we tested some other candidates against Biden. Here's Ron DeSantis, who's essentially been pitching himself to Republican voters as a more electable version of Donald Trump. Well, he actually fares a point worse against Biden than Donald Trump does. And we tested Nikki Haley, the former U.N. ambassador. She's actually running five points ahead of Joe Biden. Interesting note here, fewer than half of all voters know who Haley is. So this could reflect some strength on her part. It could also just reflect that old thing in politics. If she comes, if she's seen as the generic Republican alternative to Biden, that could speak to Biden's weaknesses that she's doing so well against him. Well, speaking of weaknesses, the poll reveals the key witnesses of, of the front runner in Biden's case, it's age. In Trump's case, it's indictments. How does that shake out? Yeah, so it's interesting here. We asked voters, sort of, would you consider this a major or moderate concern? And obviously, Donald Trump, multiple indictments, allegations, criminal charges here has gotten a ton of attention. And yes, a clear majority there, 62 percent of all voters say that's a major or moderate concern to them. But look what scores even higher in the poll at 74 percent. It's Joe Biden's age and it's his fitness for office to get to 74 percent. That's not just Republicans saying that's a concern to them. You've got to have a lot of Democrats saying yes, too, to get the number that high. All right. Steve Kornacki with the latest NBC News poll. Thank you, Steve. We've got a lot more to get to, including the worsening crisis at the southern border. Thousands of migrants are continuing to illegally cross into the country, further straining the system and resources. NBC's Guad Venegas is in Eagle Pass, Texas, where the latest surge is overwhelming officials there. Guad, how long do we expect this wave to last? Well, Hoda, we know that tens of thousands are still in Mexico attempting to make their way to our southern border, Mexican immigration attempting to stop them. But of course, they have been overwhelmed for the last few years. Over the weekend, we saw groups of hundreds arrive here just in Eagle Pass under the International Bridge. And this morning, we are already seeing more groups arrive after they cross the river. Meanwhile, in El Paso, Texas, the mayor says the city's at a breaking point. They say they average about a thousand migrants per day. But in the last seven days, they're averaging Averaging about 2,000, the city opened up a, a new shelter to deal uh, with that influx. Uh, meanwhile, in Mexico, the company that operates freight trains that head north uh, has now resumed service uh, after they halted those trains because they said they had an unprecedented number of migrants riding those trains, but they are now moving north. In fact, a lot of the migrants that arrived yesterday tell us they were on these trains. And hold on, all of this under the scorching heat. Over the weekend, Border Patrol making a tough decision to cut some of this razor wire fence behind me after some of these migrants crossed the river and were stuck between the water and the razor wire, including children. It was a dramatic scene as we saw the Border Patrol agents pulling children out of those groups, cutting the fence at least twice uh, over the weekend with Customs and Border Protection overwhelmed all across the border at the processing centers doing what they can uh, with this influx that is expected to continue. Hoda.
Squad Venegas, Forest Air and Eagle Pass, Texas. Squad, uh, thank you very much. Let's talk about the weather and the impact of Ophelia felt up and down the East Coast. The storm unleashing heavy rain and damaging flooding from North Carolina to the Northeast. Its remnants are still causing problems this morning. Al is standing by with the forecast, but let's get to NBC's Emily Aketa, who's on New York's Long Island this morning. Hi, Emily. Good morning. Hey there, Savannah. Good morning to you. We're seeing some relief, but still windy and raining. We've seen the impacts of Ophelia sweep up the eastern seaboard, dumping nearly nine inches of rain on some states, including parts of North Carolina, knocking out power to thousands and stirring up dangerous ocean conditions like here at Jones Beach, where rip currents remain a concern. This morning, millions are cleaning up and drying out from a weekend of relentless wind and rain. This is rough, I'm telling you. As tropical storm Ophelia churned up the East Coast. This is the worst weather we've ever had. Sparking widespread flooding, downing power lines and trees, and drenching plans for the first weekend of fall. Ophelia first made landfall Saturday in North Carolina, packing 70 mile per hour winds. The storm dumping several inches of rain and damaging homes and businesses. So it did come, you're talking right up to here. The flooding triggered multiple water rescues, like the U.S. Coast Guard's rescue of five people, including three children, on a ship in Cape Lookout. States of emergency declared in North Carolina, as well as Virginia and Maryland. The storm then pushing its way inland. This is pretty bad. In one Pennsylvania neighborhood, those storm conditions toppled trees, potentially sparking an explosion and two alarm fire, forcing the evacuation of more than 100 residents from their homes. Ophelia later downgraded to a post-tropical cyclone, but still posing a threat. And the tide is receding right now here at Jones Beach. But when the water levels increase later today, that's when authorities are warning residents to look out for more coastal flooding. And as we continue to see the remnants of Ophelia crawl northward, we could see some more impacts on travel. Over the weekend, we saw more than 10,000 flights delayed and several hundred canceled. Savannah. All right. And it's still coming down. Emily, thank you very much. 718 for more on Ophelia's impact in today's forecast. Let's say good morning to Mr. Roker. Hey, Al. Good morning to you guys and good morning to all of you. And we are watching this slow crawl for what the remnants of Ophelia into upstate New York, parts of New England, Long Island, as it pushes away, will probably pick up another inch or so in some parts of lower, uh, the lower Hudson Valley into Connecticut. There could be some nuisance uh, ponding on the roads, but that will be the worst of it. Now, to the southeast, moisture is going to increase from the Gulf and the Caribbean. Hourly rainfall rates down through Florida, two to three inches per hour, and that flood risk will increase each day. We're going to be looking at rainfall amounts from southern Georgia all the way down to Florida, anywhere from one to three inches. So flooding is going to be a big problem there. And that is your latest weather, guys. Welcome back, by the way. Thank we you. missed you. We missed you guys. Missed you as well. Happy anniversary. Happy birthday, Deborah. All Thank the things. You. All right. Yes. All right. Celebrate. All right. Still ahead, guys. A story everybody's talking about. Taylor Swift taking up Travis Kelsey on his offer to watch him play. And she did it right next to his mom, Mama Kelsey, Donna. So what does it mean? We're going to get into that. Speaking of excitement in college football, it was going on, too. A Virginia woman steps on the field. She makes history and she will tell us all about it when she joins us for a live interview. Good morning. But first, this is today on NBC. Join Hoda Kotfi for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. 
For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops, on. TVs, streaming. Game console, consoling. Smart thermostat, set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera, Oh, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go, you are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet, Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators, now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Wow, back. We all know the NFL's biggest play yesterday. That unfolded in Kansas City. Right. Final uh-huh. seconds. Taylor Swift in the box uh, with Mama Kelsey. Does that sound like a real play-by-play? Yeah, play? Remember that Travis Kelsey last week said on one of those shows, yeah. like he put it out there like, hey, why don't you come see me at Arrowhead Stadium? Yeah. Well, she took him up on it. The internet lost its mind. Then they walked out together. Were they holding hands? It no. sure seems like it's all on. Okay, NBC's Joe Fryer's got all the details. Hey, Joe. Oh, my goodness. So much to digest. Good morning. <laughs> so the rumors suggested there may not be much of a blank space between the singer and Chiefs tight end. But until yesterday, Swift had not publicly said anything about those rumors. And as Swift's fans know, she enjoys leaving them little Easter egg clues about her life and music. Well, now many are wondering, is this her end game unfolding in the end zone? It was the highlight of the week, worthy of an instant replay. No, not that play. This, that's pop superstar Taylor Swift, celebrating after two-time Super Bowl champ Travis Kelsey scored a touchdown. Watch in slow-mo, you can see her deliver a chest bump. Swift was actually spotted before the game even started. Swift, sporting a red and white Chiefs jacket, was all smiles at Arrowhead Stadium Sunday next to Travis Kelsey's beloved mom, Donna, and cheering the Chiefs and Kelsey as they dominated the Bears. The dynamic duo even caught leaving Arrowhead together following the game. Hey, how you doing? And later seen driving away in a convertible. The surprise appearance comes just days after Kelsey invited Swift to see him in action at the same stadium where he watched her perform in July. I've seen you rock the stage in Arrowhead. You might have to come see me rock a stage in Arrowhead and see which one's uh, a little more lit. Rumors have been swirling since July, after Travis said on a podcast that he unsuccessfully tried to give the singer a friendship bracelet with his phone number on it after her show. I was disappointed that uh, she doesn't talk before or after her shows because she has to save her voice for the 44 songs that she sings. From there, rumors started to fly and the famous pair haven't been able to shake it off. Travis's brother and former Super Bowl competitor Jason added fuel to the speculation last week when he was asked whether they were dating. That man, I I, I, I think they're doing great and I think it's all 100% true and I hope that this soon goes a mile down, Joe. I don't know what's happening. Following Sunday's Chiefs win, Coach Andy Reid joked about the pair. I set him up. And quarterback Patrick Mahomes said the team knew 
the Swifties were watching. Did you feel the pressure, Patrick? I felt a little bit of pressure. Um, and so I knew I had to get it to Trav. I think he wanted to get in the end zone just as much as uh, all the Swifties wanted him to. Even the NFL is getting in on the act, writing on its TikTok profile page, 92423. Taylor was here. And of course, on social media, Swift's famously loyal fans, they're going deep into theories. Some speculating that Kelsey's game day suit was inspired by Swift's album, 1989, but mostly many of her fans oh, wondering... Do I have to care about football now? I'm imagining a concert with lots of Chiefs 87 jerseys in the crowd. I mean, you know, she does have an album titled Red. So. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, true. Another clue, Joe. There you go. It's- wow. <laughs> oh, I guess it's just good, clean fun. Yeah, exactly. Have a little fun with exactly. that. All right. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Coming up, an unusual state of emergency declared in New Orleans. Salt water making its way up the Mississippi River, now threatening the drinking water supply for millions. We will take you there live. But first, a young woman who just broke a major barrier in college football. The unstoppable Haley Van Boris, she is with us live to celebrate her historic weekend coming up right after this. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the True Crime Original. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna Book Club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. We're back 738 with some inspiring history that was made in college football over this weekend. Yeah, for the first time ever, a woman played in an NCAA game at a position that was not kicker. Her name is Haley Van Voorhis, and we cannot wait to talk to her. But first, NBC's Kaylee Hartung has her amazing story. Kaylee, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. So after more than two years on her college football team without seeing any game action, Haley told me she felt like she was in a movie when she stepped on the field Saturday. Her team needed to stop on third down, and Haley ran right for the quarterback, getting her Hollywood ending to the play. Who runs the field? This girl. Shenandoah University's Haley Von Voris making history as the first woman to take the field, not as a kicker, in an NCAA football game. It's not every day that a female gets to play college football, so, you know, the the sideline was going crazy. Um, It was just a great moment. (laughs) And she made her presence known. The five foot six safety came into the game with Division Three Shenandoah up 26 points against Juniata College, registering a quarterback hurry on the way to a Shenandoah win. Did that quarterback know what or who hit him? I've had some people come up to after the game until I take my helmet off. They're like, dude, I didn't know you were even a girl. Growing up in the Plains, Virginia, Haley's been going up against the boys for a long time. First in baseball, then at 10 years old when she started playing flag football, later becoming the first girl to play on her high school's football team. Did it take any convincing your parents to let you play a game with a bunch of boys? 
As long as I was happy and did what I love, they were all for it. With a fierce competitive spirit, Haley prides herself on giving maximum effort through her intense weightlifting sessions in the gym and every practice rep on the field. I do think my mindset's one of my strongest capabilities alongside my speed and my strength. Just my ability to push myself past where I think I can go has helped me a lot. She also runs track and field for Shenandoah, and she's dead set on running through barriers for women in sports. So to be able to make a step forward is like an amazing thing, like to um, create new opportunities along the way and show that like, hey, this can be done. For now, she's just focused on the next play. Next time we need to get the sack. <laughs> yeah, Haley. Now she is making history in her own right, but there are a few women who have blazed a trail on special teams before her. Haley pointed to Katie Nida, who was the first woman to score in a Division One football game. She kicked two extra points for the University of New Mexico in 2003. And now, no doubt, there are young girls who are going to be looking up to Haley. Guys. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Kaylee, mm-hmm. thank you so much. We've got Haley with us now. Good morning. Congrats. Good morning, guys. How how did it feel, Haley? Did you wake up in the morning and think, this is going to be the day? I think I'll make history today. Yeah. Something like that, you know, (laughs) just (laughs) out here to be playing football and it's game day. You know, you always got to be excited. Well, you know what? Most of us, anyone who's ever played a sport knows what it's like to ride the bench for a long time. And then finally your number gets called. But you didn't just go in and make an average play. You went in there and made a great tackle. Tell us what it felt like in that moment. Um, I mean, words really can't describe, but if I had to put it into words, it was just an amazing moment because, you know, I've been working, like you said, two years. It's, it's a long time to be sitting on the sideline. And, you know, I earned every moment of it because, you know, you don't see half, not even half the things that go in behind that moment. So to me, it was a, it was just a big moment to be able to crush my own goals and then make a statement for just the football community and, you know, show that women can play the game at whatever level that may be. I mean, you are showing the way, showing how it's done. How hard have you had to work not only to be in this kind of shape shape and be able to play, but also just to kind of overcome those stereotypes and people who don't think that a woman can play at this level? Um, a lot more than people would think on the outside. It's, it's a lot of work. I mean, I'm just, I'm not like born, you know, like the guys, I don't have that strength, that speed. So everything I've had to, to work for, find my edge, be able to just be great. Everything I do on the field and off to be able to be in the position I was on Saturday. Well, uh, football's a team sport, and when you had that, you were surrounded by some great teammates. How has it been with you in that group? Um, I love it. I mean, I love my teammates. It's it's an awesome team. Shenandoah is like no better home. I would, you know, no better place I would call home because it's just these guys are very like they they're people I look up to and they've always helped, you know, coach me and made me a better player. So I'm just so glad that I'm able to be with this group because we are going about to do something special this year. Uh, oh. Haley Van Boris, congratulations. Put me in, coach. Way you did go. it. Got it done. Way to go, Haley. Congratulations. 
All right, let's go over to Al, get another check of the weather. How about that? Oh, man, that is pretty impressive. I love that. Well, let's show you what we've got going on for our friends in the Pacific Northwest, Northern California. We've got a big system coming in. An atmospheric river is getting set up, and it's going to bring heavy rain over the next several days. This is a little early for these systems. Usually this starts developing sometime in November, but this powerful upper-level low is going to usher in this atmospheric river, bringing in heavy rain, strong wind gusts as well. So for today, powerful upper-level low is going to bring that river in here. Impacts from Washington into Northern California. Tomorrow, secondary systems start to develop with a new surge of moisture for the Northwest. Northern California as well, spreading from Eureka all the way to Seattle. We're talking anywhere from one to three. Locally, could be as much as five inches of rain, and that brings a risk of mudslides and flash flooding. And that's your latest weather guys thanks al uh, still ahead we have a very important conversation with the wife of bruce willis emma hemming willis will join us it's her first interview since the beloved actor's diagnosis to spread awareness and bring support to other caregivers usher mm-hmm. revealed as the next super bowl halftime performer the moment he learned the news from another icon and what he's already revealing about his very big plans we all know it is going to be a show 